for fearing God is not just um, just being in awe of God. Right. It's a lot more than that. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Kettering Connect, the weekly video cast where we hang out here at church as pastors, spending some time diving deep into the scriptures to understand them, process them. Wow, can I speak? Process them um, <laughs> and, and apply them to our lives, right? So um, for the second week now, my new friend and colleague, Pastor Andrea Jacobsons, the new lead pastor, is joining us here at Kettering Connect. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, it's exciting to be here again. And this yeah. is Jason. He is a youth pastor. He's a rock star. I just that, spent some wow. time with him. When was it? <laughs> Yesterday. Just talking about what kind of stuff he does. And it's pretty amazing. He's really involved. I know that many of you have experienced that. Um, so it's oh, exciting to have yeah, that Yeah, it's super church. fun. It's fun. We're, we're mm-hmm. a great team here. So, um, so last week, you got us started with a new series called I Got It All Wrong, right? Mm. And we're spending some time for the next few weeks unpacking the book of Jonah. I'm just wondering, and I guess I probably should have prepped you, I I didn't. Um, Why did you pick Jonah for an opening series? Um, That's a good question. I love the Old Testament. I mean, I, you know, I love the New Testament too, but I've grown up with my dad always talking about stories from the Old Testament because he's an Old Testament scholar. I mean, that's what he does. Mm -hmm. And so I've just always loved it. Mm -hmm. And... I just thought, you know, if I'm going to do something about in the New Testament, why not just kind of balance it out and do New Old Testament and then New Testament? Right, right. Um, and yeah, there's always so much that you can find in the Old Testament yeah. that is just incredible. I love the stories. Yeah. They're amazing. No, absolutely. I, back when I was a teacher for high school, like teaching the First Testament or the Old Testament, mm-hmm. uh, that was definitely one of my, my favorite classes. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so you picked, and we talked about this, I think, a little bit last week. You picked the book of Jonah, which is actually one of my favorites. I think Genesis mm-hmm. is probably my all-time favorite. Mm, um, I think mine too. And then, and then Jonah, um, which is phenomenal um, because it's just the design of it, right? Mm-hmm. The structure of it. It's so intentional and genius. Um, like, so if you, and it's only, and it's short, right? There are only four mm-hmm. chapters, but there's, there's beauty within the structure because it's, um, it's, uh, what's the word I'm trying to say? Chiastic. chiastic. There we go. Yes. There's chiastic structure. There's chiasm within the structure of, um, that the author has put in there. And I just think it's beautiful. And um, it's just well orchestrated. And I love how there's like comedy and drama and irony um, and like satire, right? There's just, it's mm-hmm. so relatable and it's deeply emotional. And, and sometimes you're like, you're rooting for them, right? Or, or the people. And other times you're like, no, you're an idiot. What are you, what are you thinking, right? So it's just a really fun book to... <laughs> To unpack. Yeah. And to me, and I mentioned it during the sermon, I think it's so amazing that he just writes pretty much from his perspective. And so yeah. he's not shy about what he's putting down. I mean, he's saying it just the way it is. Yeah. And that's pretty incredible to me too, right. because he is so honest yeah, about yeah. his feelings. And I mean, some of the things he says, I'd be like, I am not putting that yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to edit that part out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, sure. Like, I'm not going to admit to that, right. but he does. He admits to it. And yeah. just to me, it's just so awesome because... That's how we need to be. We need to be able to right. just say, hey, I messed up or right. um, because that's how we all learn. Yeah. And in our walk with God, we all mess up. Right. I mean, there are those times. Well, and I think, no, absolutely. And I think that the key to all relationships, no matter what it is, um, the key to all relationships is honesty, right? Is mm-hmm. trust. If you don't have trust or honesty, then 
don't really have anything, right? That's so, right. Um, yeah, so I totally appreciate that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just going to take a couple moments to to read it. Yeah. And um, so, uh, Andrea, do you mind reading verses 1 to whatever we said? One to nine. 9. Yeah, and then I'll, I'll go after that. So just so you know, if you want to follow along, we're, all we're going to do is read the entire chapter of, of Jonah 1, which sounds ridiculous, but I'm, I'm telling you it's short. It only takes a couple minutes. And it's, it's really awesome to... Like, this is where, when we read the Word of God, that's where we get changed. It's not by us in any way explaining things or talking about things. It's God through it. And so that's why I think it's so important. So we're going to read it for that reason. All right. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God, and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had got down, had gone down into the lowest parts of the ships, had lain down, and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish." And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. And they said to him, Please tell us, for whose trouble is this for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation and where do you come from? What is your country and of what people are you? So verse nine. Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. That's oh, that's so interesting. Okay, we'll, we'll come back to that. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to stop this storm? Mm. Throw me into the sea, Jonah said. I just want to, one day when we're in the kingdom, uh, I want to talk. Okay, Jonah, come here. Uh, Tell me, like, what is your logic here? Where did you come up with that? Yeah, like, I mean, what? Anyway. Uh, Okay, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. Oh, there's so many connections to Jesus, and we'll mm-hmm. have to talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Verse 13, instead, that's mm-hmm. this is also really interesting, the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to the land, but the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. They tried, cro- wait, what? Oh, then <laughs> they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. Oh, Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin, and don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh, Lord, you have sent the storm upon him for your own good reasons. Here we have some, like, heathen, like, people who have never even met God are now, like, theologizing Mm -hmm. about stuff. It's really interesting. Okay, and then verse 15. Uh, When the sailors picked up Jonah and threw him into the raging sea, the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Mm-hmm. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. What Bible version do you have? 
This is the New Living Translation. The New Living, okay, yeah. yeah. Mine is new. I mean, the yeah, the New King James. Yeah. Um, and I love like the way the phraseology of this one. Yeah. The reason I use this one is because it's the one that has the comments. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and so, so sometimes, I and I talk about this with my students when we do like Bible studies or, or whatever. Like, I'll, I'll, so I have several Bibles, but one I'll use like when like studying, like exegeting, mm-hmm. right? Another one I'll use like for the teaching and whatever. Yeah. Anyway, I like generally gen. I am struggling today. <laughs> Generally Sorry, speaking, uh, <laughs> I have problem all the dude, time. Dude, okay, good. If you're, <laughs> if you're still watching, uh, thank you. Uh, right, but generally speaking, um, I like how, like, the wordage and and how, like, how mm-hmm. what the concepts that it extrapolates from the Greek and Hebrew and kind of puts in the English language. I think it does a pretty mm-hmm. good job. Anyway, yeah. so what are some uh, some observations for you? Um, like going back to the chiasm thing, I, one thing that I really like about the Book of Jonah is how it's kind of, it's separated by like these two halves, right? There are four chapters, but there are two halves. And then with, within each half, there are like these three sections. Mm-hmm. And, and those three sections, like they mirror each other. So again, some of the things that we're reading now in chapter one, like a few weeks from now, we're going to see those same exact things um, in chapter three, um, yeah. which I think is really cool. Well, we can mention them. I mean, it's the, yeah, yeah. the first one is God's call. Then yeah. Jonah and the Gentiles, and yeah. there's an interaction between Jonah and the Gentiles, and then Jonah calls on God. Right. And then that happens again, starting in part two, which was in chapter three. So chapters one and two are kind of this um, unit, and then like three one, and four yeah. are uh, kind of a unit, even though it's one book. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, those things are important. But I guess I wanted to go to the... The you know God calls Jonah because there are so many different places in the Bible that yeah, yeah. somebody gets called. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah, because you talked about that last week in mm-hmm. your sermon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and week I think when we talked about this chapter, just the two of us, we were you were kind of mentioning something about the fact that he also probably didn't go to Nineveh because he was afraid mm-hmm. because of the Ninevites. Right, because they're scary, awful people. Yeah, yeah. And we'll talk more about that as we get to the other chapters. Yeah, um, but. I mean, just thinking about the call of God to do something, right. a lot of times it is doing something scary. Right. You know, and so that is something that we don't really want to do. It's not something that draws us to, not necessarily scary, but something that makes us scared. It makes us fearful of, right. and when I think of myself, I think of, you know, can I do it? That's right. usually what I think. And of. I think that's actually part of why that we have that experience, mm-hmm. that phenomena, because it's like, no, you can't. It's only right. because of God, right? Yeah. And so it, it, naturally, it's almost like intrinsically, it's this lesson. You can't do it. I'm yeah. glad you're already questioning that. It's You just have to trust me with this, yeah. right? And, and so yeah. it's almost like if God was calling us for something simple, then is it really from him? Mm. You know, because if he's going to call us to something, then he can give us the power to do it. And so then mm-hmm. it is something that requires that courage, that requires, it's a challenge. Right. It requires us stepping out, out of our comfort zones right. a lot of times. Yeah. And so we see that in Jonah, but like you say, we this is a, we see this throughout the scriptures, I would argue, and definitely in the First Testament with kind of this 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 process of like, there's a call, right? There's, there's a commission, there's some sort of divine ask. And then whoever that the recipient of that is, they clearly object for some very logical, like, yeah, of course you would object. That makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but then God reassures, oftentimes gives some sort of like miraculous sign. Um, and then, and then they carry it, carry it out. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I that. think of Moses. Right. Moses. Especially classic, like, I mean, 
yeah, all of his objections. And every time I read through it, I'm just like, yep, that's me a lot of times. Right. <laughs> you know, I think of all of these things that hold me back to doing what God is really calling me to do right. and stepping out in faith. And I think just, yeah, like Moses or, or Gideon or Abram or, or whatever, or Jonah, like God will give us a sign or he'll somehow communicate. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's not through making my hand leprous, but still, right, we've all hopefully experience this idea of, no, there is this reassurance and there is mm-hmm. this peace that God has it under control right. and you can't do it, but you will be able to do it as you walk with him. Right? And I think that's kind of the point. As you're saying that, I'm thinking of, okay, even the, this call of becoming the lead pastor, you know, that was, it's scary to think that, okay, now this is something that I'm going to do. And, and yet I think of the things that I asked for God, I asked him, you know, you need to show me clearly because Otherwise, there is no way yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is what I'm doing. Yeah. And he did, yeah. you know. And so the fact that you're saying, okay, he shows us in some miraculous way. And mm-hmm. it's not necessarily big things for me. It right. was just something that like Paul Hoover was mentioning where he was saying, no, like it was an, a unanimous decision here. And it was a unanimous decision here. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I had asked God, mm-hmm. you know. And, and just to see that even those little things God cares about. Mm-hmm. For us. Mm-hmm. And that's some just the, like these little things that he gives us so that we can know that, yes, he's listening. He knows right. and he's in this. Right. Nope. Absolutely. Totally agree. Um, yeah. So what are some other observations? Um, so as I was doing this, this is yeah. something that I really wanted to put in the sermon, but I just figured it. Yeah. Right. Because there are really always flow. those things, yes. right? Always. Always. Um, so it's the, the part where... God speaks to him and he says, arise, go to Nineveh. So the word is kum, which is just rise up, you Uh know, go. Uh So he's calling him to like go up. But then what happens is Jonah does the exact opposite. Not only does he go in a different direction, he also, instead of going up, he's going down. So it says, you know, he went down to Joppa. Then he goes down to the harbor. Then he goes down into the ship. Then he goes down to the lowest part of the ship. And then he ends up in the bottom of the ocean. Right. You know, so down. I think it, it actually says like um, down at the base of the mountains or something like that. So yeah, there's definitely this mm-hmm. downward yeah. direction, right? For, yeah, and it's just amazing because you see the contrast between this is what God wants, and I think I think that happens to us a lot. Where yeah. really, if we are following God, that's what He wants for us. He wants to bring us up. Whereas we ourselves, for some reason, because of sin, not for some reason, because of sin, right. we just kind of are drawn towards the down spiral instead. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy Mm -hmm. if you think about it because we kind of fall for that instead of for what God has for us. Right. No, I think I I totally agree. And I think, so, so two quick thoughts on this. So one thing is like, okay, a lot of the minor prophets, you know, usually in the scriptures will start out. So this is so-and-so and they, they were alive during the reign of King so-and-so during this time and this and this and this was happening. Jonah's not really like that at all. We do have another reference though, right? In the first Testament about Jonah. It's actually, in, mm-hmm. it's in second Kings. And I think it's actually worth looking at real quick for this point, because it's like, okay, when God says to do something. And then if we were to go back to add it, I think it's like verse three, it says, so Jonah, got up. So it almost like in your, the reader, right? Or the listener, they're almost thinking, oh, so he's doing exactly what God says. And then, then but goes. Yeah. And, and so it's like, what, why is this? Like, why is this kind of thing? Right. It's a little, it's a little odd. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so in second Kings though, this is why I think it's, it's pretty cool. Second Kings 14, 
uh, verse 25, only, only one verse, but it talks about how, okay, so verse 25, 2 Kings chapter 14, Jeroboam II recovered the territories of Israel between Lebo Hamath and the Dead Sea, just as the Lord, the God of Israel, had promised through Jonah, son of Amittai, the prophet from Gath Hefer. Um, and the only reason I think this is actually really cool is A, we have, oh, there's, there's Jonah. He's over there. It kind of yeah. gives us a, a spot in history, right, mm-hmm. when this would happen. Um, but the other thing is, specifically, it talks about how the territories, um, see, where's that line again? Oh, the territories were recovered, right? And so, okay, so it's like, okay, what is it, what, what's happening? Like, what's talking, what is it talking about? And so there's this time when Israel, right, they have the 10 tribes, but then um, Judah has the two tribes, but the territories, the borders weren't always there. And so apparently, here's Jonah, he's this prophet declaring truth, but he's really good to follow God's order when in, in, in God's direction when it comes to clarifying territories or boundaries, when it comes to saying, okay, this, now this is us, right? This idea, right? Because a border or, or a wall at, at that time and in that culture, it meant community, it meant security and peace and a hope and like in a, in an wow, and an identity and an identity, right? Um, and now there's borders, right? There's all those things. And apparently Jonah was really cool it, with God to go and create borders and boundaries for Israel, according to this. Mm-hmm. Then we read, God says, get up and go talk to them mm-hmm. outside the borders. And that's when he's like, no, I'm going to go a different direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like uh, this us versus them. Right. And so it's kind of like, um, like for Jonah, he's like, no, no, no. I'm cool, God, to follow your will and to be your prophet, right? To, to be a spiritual leader for you as long as it's for us. Yeah. And, and there needs to be separation between us and them. But then when God says, no, 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 there's no us and them. It's, it's all us. And then he really objects in, in, a, yeah. in a really big way. And you can see all of the stuff that's... You know, his prejudice, especially in chapter three, which is what well, something that we'll get yeah, to we're get for sure. Yeah. But since you mentioned that verse, I also wanted to mention as a side note, that's yeah. why to me, it's, there are, there are lots of speculations about the book of Jonah saying mm-hmm. that, you know, it's just some kind of story that somebody made up. But to me, it can't be because of some of these things that you see, the connections that you right. see, where right. it says, okay, it says Jonah, the son of Amittai, which is right. the same same. Father, obviously, that would be a very strange coincidence right. to have right. the exact same, um, you know, terminology for this person. Right. Um, and also the story of, or stories about Elijah and Elisha mm-hmm. are similar. And this is the time that Jonah would have been in. Right. Um, and so it's, to me, it's important because, yeah, it's not just some made up story that was just thrown in there. It is a tr- right. real story where this, that Jonah experienced. It almost and, validates the historicity yes. of the mm-hmm. yeah of the the narrative. No, for sure. And uh, so Timmy's going to show you a picture. Another reason why I think this is actually really interesting, and we're like taking forever, but this this is, I think is really interesting. Um, so so basically, the scripture says that God calls him to go to Nineveh. And we're like, okay, well, what does that really mean? Well, if you look at a map, right? And most people have Bibles and the Bibles, they're in the back, at the end of your Bible, there's those, those pages that you always flip past, right? The maps. Well, there are maps in your scriptures. And anyway, if you look in the Bible, basically roughly from Joppa, where Jonah is, to Nineveh, it's about 550 miles. And then, but then he's so objects to this, 
he goes, he gets on a ship headed for Tarshish, which is 2,500 miles, like literally in the opposite direction. And so I think this is, so a little bit of perspective because I just need that. So I did a little, did a little research on the, mm-hmm. on the Google. Um, and, <laughs> on the Google. Yeah, on the Google. Yeah. And on the Google, it says that from Dayton, Ohio, approximately, to Atlanta, Georgia. Have you ever driven that? Probably not. I don't think so. Yeah, it, it, there's no reason to. It's, I mean, I just got here, so no. Yeah, that's true. I, I just offended people from Georgia. Sorry. I, Georgia's great. But, <laughs> but, but from Dayton, Ohio, to Atlanta, Georgia is about 550 miles. That's like you know approximately the distance that God said, "Hey, go there." He chooses to go to or well to get on a ship headed for Tarshish, twenty five hundred miles away, which is approximately the distance from Atlanta, Georgia, to Seattle, Washington. That's crazy. So it's not even like an equal opposite, right? It's like mm-hmm. several times mm-hmm. further away. Yeah. Um, well, and that's where this phrase of which just kept popping up at me, where it says that he's fleeing from the presence of the Lord, right? Like. That I mean, he's really intent on this, right? You know, right. he doesn't want to have anything to do with with God at this moment, right? Right. Um, and perhaps because he knows who God is, because he says that later on, right? And he's just afraid of what is going to happen in Nineveh, and he doesn't want that. Yeah. That's so, which we'll get to uh, yeah. a little bit later. All right, let's keep going. Um, so, this whole get up and any other basic observations? I think it's cool. Um, when he gets down there, he, so he hires, and there's some debate about what this means, like in, in the Hebrew, um, a couple of the commentaries I was looking at was saying that based on the Hebrew word and, and the reference that was there, or the root of the word, I guess I should say, is yes, maybe he purchased a fare on this, this cargo ship that was already going there, or it also could be translated no, he was actually so desperate, he just rented the whole thing to get it moving because maybe mm-hmm. it wasn't already going to be going. It would have been going eventually, but not mm-hmm. at that moment when he was there. He's like, no, we're not leaving next week. We're leaving now, and here you go, right? So he's just desperate for this, which I think is just interesting, no matter how, yeah, you, yeah. how you translate it. Um, yeah, we don't know, but yeah, that's possible. Right. Um, but the next thing, well, before, I don't know what exactly you're going to, but I was just thinking of the verse four where it says yeah. that the Lord sent out a great wind yeah, on the that, sea. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, and so to me, that's really interesting. And I mentioned just a little bit about this, but I mean, a lot of times we think that, you know, that could not happen, right. that God could not stop us in our tracks with something, mm-hmm. but he can. And Apparently he does sometimes, mm-hmm. and I don't. And I don't necessarily think that he's just always throwing something in in our past. A lot of times it's just consequences of our own actions that God uses to stop us in our tracks. But I love the fact that God does stop him in his tracks. Mm-hmm. You know that he is not just like, oh well, you decided to not follow me. You don't care about me. You just want to do something else. Well, then too bad. I'm going to call somebody else mm-hmm. because he could have done that. Mm-hmm. But no, he says, no, mm-hmm. I want to save you too. You need salvation. Right. And so he goes after him right. and stops him with the storm. Right. No, I, I love that. And I often say um, that really the, the meta narrative of scripture is really just the story of a God who passionately pursues his people. Mm-hmm. And, and that's really it. That's what yeah. this whole thing is about. He continues right. to pursue his people. And this is just another way of, yeah. of him doing that. Sure. Um, yeah, and I, so so yeah, so I do think it's interesting because it specifically says this is God's fault, right? Yeah. God hurled this storm, which is just really interesting 
mm-hmm. language. Um, so the storm comes, everyone's freaking out. At one point, they're, they think they're going to die. So they're throwing off all the stuff that is just not needed, which I think is a really interesting thing, mm-hmm. and which leads them down to the cargo area. They're just trying to get rid of stuff to lighten the load. And then that's when they find him. Um, And and then the, the captain comes down and says, like... What are you doing, you sleeper? Which I think is also kind of funny. Um, right? And there are all these little comedic little things yeah. throughout. Um, like, what are you doing? And I love the word that he says. He says, get up, yeah. which is the exact Hebrew word, kum, mm-hmm. that God said, which to me means almost, you know, what you were kind of like what you were saying. God speaks through all sorts of different voices, mm-hmm. right? And all sorts yeah. of different people. He uses someone who doesn't even know God at this point. No idea. Which right. is so amazing. Right. Because he's trying to reach his prophet, but he's also trying to reach the sailors. And right. And, right. and he does. He does both. And it's amazing because they are the ones who um, fear God, right. whereas Jonah doesn't really know what that means. Right. No, I, I agree. And I, to me, it just makes me stop and reflect. Like sometimes it's like, okay, God, I need to hear your voice, right? And I'm expecting, you know, mm. uh, Morgan Freeman or, uh, or or Ron Halverson Jr. Uh, have you ever heard Ron Halverson Jr., our former president? I'm, I'm pretty sure he, God sounds like. I don't think so. His voice is very manly, much like mine. Know. But anyway, the point is, uh, <laughs> right? Uh, like oh, yes. we're, we have some expectation as to, oh, I haven't heard from God yet. I haven't heard from, I haven't yeah. felt it yet. But God yes. could speak through Good the point. smallest of things, right? Mm-hmm. Where we're not even expecting it. Mm-hmm. The homie is sleeping yeah. and he's still hearing God's voice, That's So, right. which I think is pretty cool. And a lot of times I think we don't really want to sure. hear. You know, we say that we do, but we don't really right. because we are drawn towards those things that are not really from God. And so we, uh, I think that we just kind of like, try to trick ourselves in a way right. um, to, into thinking that, yeah, we want to hear from God, but we really don't want to do what God says. Right, because it's scary, yeah. kind of like what we're saying. It's outside of our control. Yeah, um, or it's outside of our comfort zone, or it's sure. just not something that we think will make us happy. Mm. Right, you know, and- which is a very interesting thought. That, that, then that means we actually contemplate this idea that happiness and peace— is possible apart from God. Yeah. Which, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's it's almost just a satanic fascinating thought. To me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. It is fascinating to me. And a lot of times in our society, that's what it is about, right? It mm-hmm. is all about, okay, I have to be happy. So I have to try to find some way to be happy. And I don't blame anybody because that is what, I don't know, gives us pleasure in life, I guess, sure, sure. right? To make us happy. And so, I think that oftentimes we confuse that with what is really important for us Mm -hmm. because what God wants for us is not necessarily always to be happy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've heard there's these books that are out there talking about, okay, and one of my friends mentioned it to me, said something about, you know, marriage is not about making you happy. It's about making you holy. And when I first heard that, I just thought, you know, I guess, yeah, that sometimes is very true. If you allow God into your life and work through you, even in your marriage, through the other person, mm-hmm. you know, it's not when you're, when you go through those rough times, you just have to know that, yes, I need to hold on to God and let him be the one who is teaching me how to respond and how to do things in my life. Right. right. Even if it's not like, oh, I'm super happy and, and it's all butterflies. 
Right, because that's just a momentary <clears throat> yes. like response, an emotional response. Mm-hmm. But there's a difference between happiness and joy. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. I, I totally agree. So, uh, so back to the story, and, and we'll mm-hmm. kind of finish up here because I feel like we're yeah, going like way long. <laughs> um, but it, but it's good. So so then they find him, and it's like he's just unnecessary. He's just unnecessary, right? He, um, like uh, like extra weight, right? Yeah. That he just is. And and so they were like, what are you doing? And so they're totally like judging him. And then they, there's like this, several questions. It almost sounds like it's like a job interview. Like, who are you? And who's your family? And, you know, what's your experience? So they're, they're but they ask him all these questions because ultimately there's something about the storm that for them, it's like, this is not normal. Mm-hmm. This is like some sort of supernatural thing that that they sense. So ultimately their questions are, who is your God, right? Because yeah. at that time in that culture, each little smaller community, oftentimes a family or a, an occupation would have their own God. And so they're like, who is your God? And why is he so angry? And let's pray to him and deal with this thing, right? Um, so they ask him all of that, and then he says, no, I'm a Hebrew, mm-hmm. uh, which is really interesting, uh, kind of a nod back to, to Abram. Um, and then he's, like I said, throws us into the sea. And then they don't want to. Yeah. Um, which is so cool because it just means that they are good people. Right. They don't want to do something that they know is not exactly a smart thing to do, and they don't want to kill someone. Right. And, and actually, and at their own peril, which I think is kind of ironic because here are these guys who are working hard and the guy, and there's someone there who follows mm-hmm. Yahweh, mm-hmm. not only doesn't care, but he's so disconnected from mm. their stress, he's sleeping. That's right. And then the, and then it totally switches. That's because that's what it does to you, right? When right. you are really not going away from God, you actually start caring only about yourself. Right. And you don't think about others. Right. And then it's all about, well, me, 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 and pity me because of all of this stuff that's going on. And you right. forget about anybody else and the fact that he has an opportunity to really tell them about God. Right. And I think, no, absolutely. And I think to me, this is a, just blast me in the face. Is the church like that? Are we so focused on our theology or our doctrine or our style of worship or our, you know, whatever? that we are so disconnected from a world in pain Mm -hmm. and stress and they're crying out. Like these guys are crying out for their lives Mm -hmm. and he's sleeping. He's just so removed. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's almost like he's thinking about the future, some like paradise. Oh, we didn't even talk about that. Tarshish, mm-hmm. that, I mean, it's like Southern Spain. It's gorgeous there. Mm-hmm. And so he's thinking about paradise off in the future someday when, when there was stress and people are like freaking out now. And mm-hmm. it's almost like he just didn't care. It's like, no, it's about someday when Yeah. versus the, he's actually in community with these people mm-hmm. and they are really like, they're really stressed, right? They're, yeah. they are broken. Yeah. Um, so I think but that's a warning to the church. Clearly, it already listening to the Holy Spirit, you know, mm-hmm. because of the fact that you can see how they respond. So right. that's what's so amazing about the stories because right. they he's judging them as, oh, they're just sailors. Right. I'm right. sure that's what he was thinking. And in reality, they're the ones who are really, their hearts are open to God. Abs- yeah, absolutely. Like at its core, he is prejudiced against mm-hmm. the sailors. Um, well, real quick, and then we should probably wrap up. Um, so uh, I call her Auntie Ellen. Mm-hmm. Some people might find that disrespectful. But Ellen White uh, says in Desire of Ages, page 638, uh, just a couple sentences that are really interesting. Um, she says, Even among the heathen are those who have cherished the spirit of kindness, 
before the words of life had fallen upon their ears. They have befriended the missionaries, even ministering to them at their peril of their own lives. Among the heathen are those who worship God ignorantly, those to whom the light is never brought by human instrumentality, yet they will not perish. Mm. Though ignorant of the written law of God, they have heard his voice speaking to them in nature and have done the things that the law required. Their works are evidence that the Holy Spirit has touched their hearts and they are recognized as the children of God. Mm -hmm. I love that quote. Yeah, so it's almost like you could have no idea who God is, but be like the most Christian person, mm-hmm. right? That's because you are listening to the Holy Spirit. Right. Your heart is open to the Holy Spirit's guidance. And sometimes, yeah, like you were saying, we in the church can not really be open to the Holy Spirit. We mm-hmm. may think that we are because of the things that we do, but just mm-hmm. because we go to church or watch the church service does not mean we're really open to the Holy Spirit. Um, And that's where I was trying to show with the the word I fear, Mm -hmm. because I fear the word for fearing God is not just just being in awe of God. It's a lot more than that. It's all about, am I listening to God? Right to what he wants me to do in life. And am I obeying? Am I saying, okay, yes, Lord, because it's all about living with him, not just... Oh yes, you God are God. You are amazing. Which I think is exact, actually like the, this amazing, ironic like reversal where he says, "I am a Hebrew who worships God yes. or fears God," but in, in the end, it's the sailors who are worshiping God mm-hmm. um, out of a. So it's almost like, "Hello, people, get it?" There's like a hypocritical worship where you say this, but then your actions say That's something right. else. And then there's okay, maybe you don't know so much, but based on what you do know, you act you out respond. and respond, yeah. and that is genuine worship. Yeah, because if you have, if they had more light, they would keep responding, mm-hmm. right? And I'm sure they did because it says that now they're, you know, worshiping God. And so they probably went and tried to find out even more about this God. Right, they made sacrifices and, and vows. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so. they said, God, we're going to serve you forever, which yeah. is so awesome. And that makes me think, okay, you know, I want to be in this chapter. This is what I want to be like. I want right. to be like these sailors. And I want to say, God, I want to serve you always. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then the chapter ends with this super random verse that um, is oddly a children's story, which if if you think about it, it's a little creepy. Um, (laughs) And I've always, for whatever reason, was like, oh, Jonah and the whale. There's no whale. That's the the word in Hebrew is not whale. It's a fish. So just to be clear. Um, But yeah, but then he, again, God's always pursuing his people. He pursues through the storm. Now he's pursuing through a fish. It's almost like nature obeys his voice. Uh, animals obey his voice. These yeah. quote unquote heathens are obeying. And the one guy who's supposed to yeah. is not, That's but right. he, he, he chases after him. Yeah. And, uh, and God still gets him. The story continues. So anyway, uh, <laughs> thoughts or no, that's this? it. I think that's the perfect way to end. Just again, talking about the fact that God is always there ready, yep. you know, to bring something, um, to rescue us, to right. grab onto us, to redirect us because that's what we need a lot of times. Yep passionately pursues his people. Mm -hmm. That is the story of scripture. Thanks so much for watching. That was chapter one based on uh, Pastor Andrea's message from last week. Stay tuned this week as she continues week two of the series as she unpacks chapter Chapter two. two. So uh, thank you so much for watching and uh, watch the message this week. And then uh, as 
as noted, make some notes. And if you have any questions or comments about the message, feel free to email and we will bring those up during Kettering Connect. Yes, we would love to have some comments. Um, Pastor Andrea, will you uh, pray for us sure. here at the end? We'd love to do that. Lord God, I want to thank you for um, just being the God who pursues us, who loves us so much that you come after us all the time and help us to be like the sailors, to just say, Lord, we're going to serve you always and forever. And so I pray for anyone who is listening to us who maybe has a hard time saying that. Um, Lord, I pray that you just keep showing yourself to them and to all of us. Keep revealing who you are because there is nothing better than walking with you. And so I pray that you help us to, to do that. Keep working in our hearts and in our lives so that we do that because we we just on our own keep going down instead of up. And so redirect us, Lord. Keep us going up. I pray this in your name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. See you Thanks, next Jason. week. Oh, sorry. I'm listening. Tell me what to do. Okay. Bam!